0: I want to pray for us. I don't know, that song was sort of familiar, but not so familiar, right? And that's kind of like life right now. Sometimes you just got a mouth and kind of muddle through the next verse or two until you get to the next thing, right? Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about today because God has really lined up a good message for our graduates and for all of us. Uh, it, it really uh, is a challenge to us. Uh, before I do that, I just want to pray, and then we'll, uh, then we 'll watch the trailer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. thank you for these graduates and for their families and God, I thank you that uh, um, I know I know many of us sort of wish things were different, but God, uh, in, in one way, uh, these graduates are living at, in a time that is like none other and and they uh, they have, are heading off into a world where they have opportunity to be used by you to change it. Father, I pray that, that, that no one thinks that, oh, I'm just going to do this or I'm just going to do that. I just, uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that they recognize your desire to use them where you are sending them. Whether, Father, that means uh, helping return people's electricity to them or teach their children or help uh, their animals be healthy or, or whatever it is. Maybe it's a mission trip or, or uh, supporting uh, the world in other ways. God, even from Little Goshen County, your power extends throughout the world and we need to recognize that. And I pray that these graduates do. And I, praise, I pray that everyone that's watching or listening or is here with us today can see that. And Father, uh, we are also living in a time uh, that, that is confusing. And there's so much anger in our nation. And there's so much division. Father, I pray that you would help us as disciples of Jesus Christ stand in the gap and, and love people and forgive people and help you make changes in a culture and in a, in a, a society that, that need to be made? Lord Jesus, may we, we just surrender ourselves to you wholly in, in that sense. Uh, maybe even relearning some things maybe even humbling some of our ideas and attitudes before you and saying, God, is this, is this right? Is this, is this what, what, what you want me to think? Is this what you want me to stand on and stand for? Uh, Lord Jesus, teach us this morning. Thank you for, for uh, uh, being with us always. In Jesus' name, amen. A real man who lived a real life in history, an epic life, and changed life for each one of us. As I want, as I begin today, I want you to think back when you were little. I mean, small, a child, and uh, I want you to think back. And remember something that when you were a child, you wanted it really bad. Maybe it was for Christmas, a birthday present. But there was something that you really, 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 really wanted. Maybe it was a Red Ryder BB gun. Maybe it was a Red Flyer wagon. Maybe it was the, I don't know, the most the, the, the popular pushed advertised remote control vehicle of the day. Whatever it was, it was all you could think about. You—you, you, uh, Well, many of us can remember this. You got out the catalogs, the big thick ones, you know, that mom and dad sat you on at the dinner table, and you circled in red ink or magic marker all of those things that you really, really, really wanted. in fact that at an early age those things might have even made our prayer list right god please i want this so bad i want this i want this really bad uh i wish that i could say that i i the the thing that came to my mind was when i was five or six but actually it was when i was in high school and uh i had this car and it had a lousy stereo system in it and i had gone to i think it was kmart then and um Do those still exist today, Kmart's? I don't know. But you would walk back there to the automotive electronics place, and they would have all these stereos, right, with these buttons and these speakers, and you could push the stereo button and the speaker button, and you could listen to them. I don't think they even have those anymore. Um, Anyway, I did that, and I had these speakers picked out that I wanted for Christmas, and I just knew that if I asked for this, that my mom would get them for me. That's all I could think about. I couldn't wait till Christmas morning or afternoon when I could take the box and open it. And and there, uh, you know, Christmas morning after Santa Claus came, there was a box that was the right size for speakers. And when I opened it, I was really disappointed. It was not speakers. I could not believe it. What was it? I don't even remember. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't what I wanted. (laughs) Proof that my mother didn't love me. No, that's totally not true. But as I've grown older, I have come to realize that though I'm getting older in age, there are still things in my life that I desperately want. Sometimes they're they're good things, like health of a friend or something. Sometimes they're, they're just pretty selfish things. That that I really really want, and I'm I'm guessing I'm just going to throw this out there that that in a group this size that there are many others who have experienced that very same thing in their life. In fact, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would all have to admit that that happens in our life. Now, next, I want to, with the group that we have today, I want us to think about where we are spiritually. Okay, some of you spiritually have it together. I mean, you're, you're, you're doing your 30-minute quiet time and prayer time every morning, and uh, you, you're really feeling close with, with your, your Lord and Savior. There is no question that you uh, trust Him implicitly for everything in your life. Um, there are others who have said yes to Jesus, and, and you're just trying to put one foot in front of the other and, and trying to figure out what that really means. Uh, I've surrendered my life to Jesus, but what does that mean on a daily basis? How, how does he want me to live? What is, what is true and what isn't? And what is just old wise tales or whatever? And then there are others, I'm sure, who you... You're not even sure that if you believe God even exists and you're, you're still just kind of checking things out. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're here because you have a relative who is graduating and, and that's you. you just, you're like, oh, I'm there with the family and uh, I don't really think it it's true. But, but I'm, I'm here and I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to investigate this uh, uh, further. Well, here's the thing. I don't think it really matters where we are spiritually when it comes to deep needs and wants. All of us have something that we want real bad. The people around you right now in that very row, even though they might be six feet apart from you, three chairs, or crammed five family members into four seats. um, Everyone wants something. Something. Maybe some of you this morning, the forefront of your mind is the virus and its effects, and you desperately want it to just go away. You want life to go back to the way it was. Uh, Maybe for some of you here this morning, uh, that thing that you long for is for a resolution to civil unrest and the struggle that our nation is in right now. Maybe, Maybe that's the one thing that you desperately want. Some of you are praying for Uh, maybe a new job a better job a meaningful career maybe a job maybe you've lost your job we have a lot of folks that are struggling with that right now Uh, there are women here who desperately want to be a mom and for whatever reason they can't right now and that's their desperate prayer there are moms and dads here today whose kids have wandered away spiritually and you so desperately want them to come back to the truth And the God that loves them so deeply and graciously. There are people here whose marriage is in trouble. You want your marriage to be fixed. You want it strengthened. There are people here who just just want to be married. I mean, they're saying forget eHarmony.com. I want (laughs) ringbyspring.com. Bring it on right now. There are many people who want physical healing, not just for themselves, but for someone that they love. I know there are people here trying to kick addiction. Many are trying just to get to the end of 220 and all of its weirdness. And there are desperate prayers and needs. Some of you are sitting here this morning, or maybe you're at home and you're watching this morning, and you're, you're just alone. If you're here this morning, maybe you're sitting in a crowd, but, but you're lonely. And you're not sure what to do, and there's this desperation. Uh, what I am saying uh, that every one of us it is that every one of us can identify with wanting something really badly. But truth be told, it's just not coming together the way that we had hoped or we had planned or, or that we want, or when we want. Well, today we are going to see that there is often more going on than what we thought. I mean, that's easy to think, that's easy to say. It's much harder to live. Uh, And if you would with me, turn to John chapter 11 if you're not there already. Grab your phones. John chapter 11. And today's event that we're going to be talking about, if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, is an event where there are two sisters and a brother, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. All three were very, very close to Jesus. But Lazarus is very sick, and the sisters send word to Jesus, a messenger to Jesus, to let him know that Lazarus is sick and he needs to be healed. And this isn't a cold, flu-type sickness. This is on-the-edge-of-death kind of sickness that they're going to uh, tell Jesus that Lazarus is experiencing right now. And what's interesting to me is that when Jesus finds out his friend is sick... He surprises everybody and doesn't do a thing for two days. Lazarus is deadly sick, and Jesus takes his time. As a matter of fact, by the time uh, Jesus gets to Lazarus' house, he's dead. He's dead. But, But here's the surprise. And some of you know this Lazarus doesn't stay dead. Let's watch this clip from the movie Son of God. Alright, so if you know the story really well, you know that they took some theatrical license there, okay? And we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit, okay? But there's five observations that I want to make this morning, and I need to pick it up a little bit here. Okay, the first one is this. Jesus demonstrates a unique timing, and this is one of the ones that we don't like at all, right? It's surprising that he doesn't go to Lazarus right, right away. I mean, I'm thinking... It's, it, you love these people, right? Why wouldn't you go immediately right away and heal him so that he doesn't die? Uh, John eleven five 5 and 7, it says, And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. No question that Jesus loves them. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, scholars think it took the messenger a day to get to Jesus. He waited two days, and then it was a day travel back. So Lazarus was dead for four days. I mean, this was before the internet and Instagram and all of that stuff where we immediately knew exactly what was happening at the moment in time. They had to wait. Four days. Put yourself in Mary and Martha's shoes. Here's this man, this Savior, who you know loves you and is good friends with you, and you've seen him do miracles, and you've asked him to do something for your brother. And he's MIA. He doesn't come. What is going on? Doesn't he know? Where is he? Doesn't he care? And for many of us, this is the most frustrating part of of trusting our life to Jesus—that He doesn't operate on our predetermined timeline, right? And the delay can be torturous. God, I'm trying to trust you here, but man, it's just taking forever. just feels like he's not showing up when and where i want him to show up but we got to remember that while jesus timing may be confusing he never stops loving us ever he loves you no matter what circumstance is happening in your life period end of story A lot of people say, oh God, I want you to show up in this area of my life. But then we actually stop trusting him when we put a deadline on it. God, I need this prayer answered by Monday, June 8th at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And when we do that, that totally disqualifies trust. Because part of trust is just waiting. (laughs) That is tough. In Christian circles we say that that as a Christian you need to walk the walk right I mean we we say those phrases or we we ask someone how their relationship with Jesus is going and they say my walk with him is really is really really good right now or it's it's not so good right now but what often happens is and this is true for me I know I'm not walking with Jesus. I'm running ahead of him and kind of leaving him in the dust and hoping that he's going to just kind of pick things up as I want him to as we go along. And then I'm frustrated and disappointed when his timing is different than mine. When he's not doing what I want him to do. So we, we need to trust his unique timing, being reminded that he still loves me no matter what. We must trust his unique timing. The second thing we learn about Jesus that is important for us in this desperate prayer is that Jesus offers a bigger life. Like Jesus' timing, this is hard for us to grasp as well. He, he knows Martha's prayer is big to her. He knows your desperate prayer is big to you. But Jesus always, I think, offers us something even bigger. And that's hard for us to understand because nothing seems bigger than our present time and experience and struggle and heartache. Look at verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so Lazarus is already dead. It's been two days and now Jesus is making the travel there. She went out to meet him and Mary stayed in the house. Interesting. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha's reply to that was a Sunday school pat answer. One that she probably learned in synagogue. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Yeah, I know that. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha, I mean, Martha shows courage here, right? Martha voices to Jesus those things which we think inside sometimes, this frustration with with Jesus. If you'd have just been here on time... This, had, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, the way that, and, and the way that I imagine this is uh, Mary says her thing, and then Jesus lovingly, gently grabs her by the face and says, Oh, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am here now with you. She's thinking, if you'd only intervened. And Jesus is saying, your brother will rise again. Now, was he talking about in, in the end, in, to eternal life? Yes, he is. But in this instance, he's talking literally too. She doesn't know it yet. Because her view is still small that her brother is going to rise again. Now, I don't blame Martha for having a small view of this situation because she's never seen anybody dead come to life before. Resurrection doesn't happen. It's not a natural thing. So she's not thinking that way. Her view is still very small, but Jesus is painting a much bigger picture here. And though he did, yes, mean eternal life, Heaven, it still seems like in this situation is a small view. For much of my life, I have had this limited view. When I I used to talk about eternal life, I was referring to heaven. When I'm dead and gone from this life, I'm going to experience eternal life someday. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I think eternal life starts when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ here today. And sometimes we get lost in the hurt and and the doubt. And we don't live the life that Jesus wants us to live. This eternal life. I mean, I've heard people say, I'm very thankful that my sins have been forgiven. Yes, and that's the past. And I'm thankful that I've got a, a ticket punched, right? Fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. Someday I'm going to heaven and experience eternal life. That's the future. And yes, that's as a Christ follower, that's going to happen. But what about life today? What about where you are today? I heard this illustration this week and I really liked it. Imagine that you know someone who has been given a pass to Disneyland, a free pass for the rest of their life. Okay? Free entrance. And that person goes to Disneyland a lot. They use this pass constantly. But when they go to Disneyland, they just stay in the entrance of the park. You know, you get past the gates where you pay, and then there's sort of like this introductory place. I mean, technically, they're in the park, but they can see the back of the railroad deal. It's starting to get exciting. Goofy and Mickey come out, and there's food to eat there. They are there. They are in Disneyland, but they're not experiencing the whole kingdom. I mean, are you with me? If you knew somebody like that, would you say to them, wouldn't you say to them, look, you, go inside, experience Disneyland in its fullness. I mean, if you did that with your children, kids, we're gonna go to Disneyland, and all you did was, and they're little, not, enough, not old enough to know better or to figure it out, and, and, and you only hang out in the entrance, and then later in life, they realize what you did as a parent, Wait, we we were there. There's this whole new kingdom right under the bridge. Joy, adventure, fun. There's so much more there, but they're not experiencing it because they think that it's something future even though they're right there. Sometimes that's us. We aren't experiencing the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not just when we die. The kingdom of God is the here and now. I mean, think about it. Loretta, do you believe that? Todd, uh, do you believe that the kingdom is now or that it's just some future thing? Betsy, yes? Victoria, I know you're watching. Patrick, maybe Taylor too. What do you think? The kingdom is now. So what does that look like? What does that look like? A prayer that I pray often goes like this. Father, help me to get a sense of your presence with me here right now, no matter what circumstance my life is in. Right now. Help me to live in your presence here and now today. Help me to rely on your power today, not just some power that might influence my life in the future or that I get to experience, but right here, right now, today. It's entering our lives every day, consciously living in the power of Jesus Christ, which he has offered us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every day, it's relying on him, and his power to guide and strengthen and encourage and bless us here's a verse that i often point out at easter time ephesians 1 19 and 20 paul says this i pray that you will begin to understand which is what i hope we're we're doing today the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him him his jesus this is the same mighty power that raised christ from the dead That same resurrection power that raised Jesus to life is available to you and me today, in this life. Not just one day in heaven. And that is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, is the same power that rose Lazarus from the dead, is the same power that created this planet. Man, I don't know if you guys... you're thinking, I'm not going to the sunrise service because it's the longest day of the year, June 21st. The sun's going to come up at 5, like 5.20, 22. I was up at 5 this morning, and when the sun came up and the moon was there, oh, wow, it was beautiful. Some of you are like, there's a moon? I... <laughs> um, it was it was. It was beautiful. The same God that created those things in this planet that we're on and the universe that we're in that raised Jesus from the dead and Lazarus is giving us power to live our lives today. We need to quit staying around the entrance. (laughs) We We need to follow his teachings. We need to have a bigger view of life. We need to... We need to read his word and spend time in it. We need to practice it every day. Jesus says, surrender to me, grab on to me, be yoked with me. Yes, let's walk with him, not run ahead. I'm telling you, that's tough for me. I don't care what it is. It is hard. My family knows. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. It is hard for me to just pray and leave a situation up to God if I somehow think maybe I might be able to influence it in some way. It's tough. Jesus' unique timing, he has a bigger life for us. The third thing we read and learn from this event is that Jesus reveals a heart that breaks, and I love this about Jesus. This always comforts me in, a, in the loss of a friend. How many of you want to memorize more Scripture? Raise your hand. You, you really want to memorize more Scripture? Okay, all right. Repeat after me. Jesus wept. Okay, now you. Jesus wept. Ah, Check one verse off your list. It's memorized. Look at verse 33. When Jesus saw her, this is Martha, weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. This is not crocodile tears. I can imagine him even laying on the ground or on his knees, weeping, shaking, brokenhearted. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, yes, I think Jesus is weeping for Lazarus, but I also think that Because it says right there, when Jesus saw her, Martha, weeping, and he saw others who had come along with her also weeping. It's not just this loss of Lazarus. Jesus knew that that he was going to raise Lazarus back from the dead, that he was going to be alive again. I think Jesus' heart is breaking because other people that he loves, hearts are breaking too. His heart broke for those who were grieving and mourning. And when we grieve and mourn, we can know that our God, that that Jesus Christ knows exactly how you feel. For some of you, your desperate prayer is not being answered the way you want it. and, And I know how some of you think because I've talked to you. You think your prayer is not being answered because you're not good enough. Or you have this view of God similar to Matthew, as we saw last weekend, that that God looks at you and He's keeping track of all of your sins that you've ever committed. And it's for that reason that He's not answering your cry for help. That He's just a scorekeeper. And we're always on the losing end. That's not true. Uh, I just, really quick, last week, our four observations were this Jesus sees me as I am. Jesus loves me as I am. We saw this in in his calling of, of, of Matthew. Jesus calls me as I am. And Jesus won't leave me as I am. Jesus doesn't expect you to fix your life before you surrender to him. He expects, he wants you to surrender to him because he loves you and then he will take your life. He will lift you up. And he will shape you and mold you and love you. Jesus' heart breaks when my heart breaks. And his heart breaks when your heart breaks. That's what he does. The fourth thing we see about Jesus in this story is that Jesus displays a power that transforms. Now, I know the wording of that is kind of, well, power does transform. In fact, before it comes in your house, it goes through a transformer, right? I mean, those aren't those things that come to life. They're like machines, and then they... So when I was younger, here's a, a quick story. I, I always look forward to shop cleaning day. You're like, well, really? Shop cleaning day? Yes, shop cleaning, the day, what, shop cleaning day was the day that we drug out all of the old seed bags and, and stuff in the shop that, that we had just kind of left there and we piled them all up either in a big pile depending on how much stuff we had or the burn barrel in the middle of the yard. And once we got all of the trash collected and stuff and we're getting ready to light the fire, oh, we wouldn't light the fire right away, we would go straight to the aerosol can shelves (laughs) and we would pick every can up and shake it. And if we thought it was empty enough that we could get away with throwing it in the fire, we threw it in the fire. Right? Then we would light the fire and we would just stand back. You know, it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 20 minutes, but we would always wait. And then, boom! One of the cans would go off. How many did we put in there? Oh, I don't remember. Another, another uh, fun, exciting, sort of powerful thing we did was, now, ether was our favorite aerosol can of choice. Those really went up with a bang. And if you've ever repaired and changed a tire on a center pivot sprinkler, you know how hard it is to set the bead on a tire. So we had this way of doing it. We had the chuck that would hook on the thing and it would just blow air. And then we would spray ether in the tire, spray a little bit on the outside and stand back and try and throw matches into it. And when it hit that, it would go boom! expand the tire, the bead would set and then you know we would go on with our day we did actually wrap a chain around that tire before we did that in case you know we put too much ether in there now I'm not talking about that kind of power but that that power does transform you okay let's let's uh, let's look at this verse 39 take away the stone he said this is where the movie changes from what what really happened jesus says take away the stone he said but lord said martha the sister of the dead man by this time there is a bad odor for he has been four days now if you're looking at the king james version of this it actually says lord by this time he stinketh Verse 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, right? That they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Try to imagine what happened between the time Jesus called, Lazarus, come out! Because you know he wasn't standing at the door waiting to come out, right? There is a period of time when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out before he gets up off of the place where they had laid him. His, I mean, he's wrapped up, so I don't know if he's doing this or how he's getting out, but... It would take him a little bit of time. What do you think the people were thinking in that moment? Oh, what? Really? Come on, Jesus. The guy is dead. He's been dead for four hours. Whatever. I'm sorry, four days. What did I say? Hours? Whoa, big difference. (laughs) I'm not a doctor, but... No, you're right. They were sure he was dead. I mean, did anybody believe? Did people doubt? Were some mocking, maybe? What was going on? And all of a sudden, boom, there's this big surprise. And Lazarus comes out. I mean, the majority of us, I think here today, probably, we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have power in our life. That's that's not the question. The question is this, do you believe enough to trust him with everything in your life? With your future spouse, with your future roommates, with your future career, to help you find a job. I mean, I the moment that Lazarus walked out, did Jesus look over to Mary not with a condemning smile, but with a an I love you smile? To say, Martha, I know you've been praying for this, I know this is desperate, and I know that I didn't meet your timing demands, but surprise. It's hard. I, I'm, As I've already said, I, I like to invoke my little K, Kingdom of David, and try to run things in my own life. And when I do that, that's when I'm in the entrance of Disneyland, and I'm not really experiencing it. When it comes to our desperate prayers, are we putting our trust in the power of Jesus or or are we just saying that and really putting our trust in ourselves? It's a good question to ask and to answer. There's a fifth thing that we learn and it's a beautiful one. Jesus calls the community to help. I mean, I don't want to read too much into this, but I do think that it is notable. Jesus always, always engages the community. We're called to join the body. We're called to join the team. We're called to become a part of the family of God. And I think we have seen over these past weeks and months how important it is to physically be together as the body of Christ. Verse 44, the dead man came out, (laughs) no longer dead, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Them. Help him. He needs help. Jesus told the friends and family, he he invited the community to help. I mean, this was Jesus' miracle. If I did that miracle, I would have been the one that wanted to finish off this thing this to do the reveal to unwind him i believe that every follower of jesus christ needs to have people in their life who are saying i'm with you i'm praying with you let me help you let me hold you up or as we cry out to god i need help mother father son daughter wife husband I need help. We're in this battle together. Unwrap him and let him live. So many of us have been giving up a new life. We've stayed wrapped up in those burial clothes. Those are not the right clothes. If you're doing life alone, you're still in the entrance. I started the message today asking you about your deepest longing, your deepest prayer. And while I can't promise you that God will answer your prayer the way that you want him to answer your prayer, I can promise you from my experience and from the stories of many people and that we're seeing right here that Jesus Jesus may surprise you. He may surprise you, but he will never disappoint you. And as I close and we begin to move to the communion table and the worship team comes up, I want to, continue, I want to encourage all of us to, to take our eyes off of the storm, off of ourselves, and put them firmly and squarely on Jesus Christ. His timing is surprising. His offer of a a bigger life is surprising. Um, His empathy and love and tears that he sheds for us is surprising. Sometimes I've had people say, "I didn't even, I didn't even think about that," as they're grieving the loss of someone that Jesus heartbreaks for them as well. His power gives us access to life today is surprising. His plans to use other people to come into our life and help us live is surprising. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And my prayer for all of us is that we trust him as that resurrection and life, that we focus on him and that we walk with him, not run out ahead. Now, this is the first time since... March that we've celebrated communion together, physically,